Today's co-adventure guide is probably more responsible than anyone for me becoming a revert to the Catholic faith. Aloha. From the sandy beaches of Hawaii comes a wave of God's love and the challenge to go deeper. Paddle out with us and experience the thrills of the radical plan God has for your life. It's Deep Adventure Radio with your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. Aloha and welcome to Deep Adventure Radio. I'm your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. Deep Adventure Radio, this is where you go if you want to hear challenging and adventurous stories of people that kind of stepped out of the box and followed God's will. You know, I was uh, surfing Waimea Bay the first time I ever paddled into a 24-foot face at Waimea. That may not seem too big to you, but you go out there and it's a hehe-nalu. It's a mountain wave. The first time you drop in, it feels pretty sketchy. In fact, I would say for me, every time I've dropped in there, it's pretty sketchy. And I remember I was out there and there was someone with me that was going to surf it for the first time too. And as he was paddling for a wave, he he was uh, just about to drop in and everyone said, go, go, go. But he was hoping and maybe thought he heard them say, no, no, no. And so he hesitated and didn't drop in. But that wave wanted him more than he did, and it just pommeled him and threw him over the falls, drove him down into the pit, held him under forever. His board came up, but he didn't. He was just kind of tombstoning there with him being drugged across the bottom, and he finally came up. Well, the difference between some Christians and others is there are those that are are big wave riders. They want to paddle in. They want to abandon themselves to that wave. If you're going to ride the wave of the Holy Spirit, you need to paddle with all your might. You need to desire it with all your might. God is not the rewarder of those who hesitate at the peak. He's not the rewarder of those who say, you know, I'm open to God if he wants to have a relationship with me. No, God is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What could be a more adventurous life than abandoning yourself to God's will? The most adventurous people I know, the person that's in the, uh, I guess, the reception party after wedding or something that I want to talk to is that person because they usually have stories to tell that you wouldn't believe. You know, I've, I've surfed big waves. I've ran with the bulls in Pamplona. I've pedaled my bicycle across the United States. I'm a ninja black belt. I'm a private pilot. I mean, I could go on and on and on with all these adventures. But if you think that's the adventure in my life, you couldn't be more wrong. The adventure, the most adventurous thing anyone could do in life is abandon themselves to the radical adventure of God's will. God's will. God's will. That's all I want. Someone once introduced me to his wife and said, hey, this is the guy I was telling you about. He really follows his passions. And I go, no, I don't. And he goes, no, yeah, you do. You're that guy. You're that guy that really follows his passions. I was trying to encourage my wife to really follow her passions. And I go, well, I don't follow my passions. At least that's not what I want. And he looks at me kind of, kind of funny, kind of like, you know, what? And I just said, you know, passion comes from the root word pathology. Uh, Augustine said this. It's uh, when you're being driven by passion, uh, it's not good. What we want is to desire God and to desire God's will. We want to have a well-formed desire, a new and right desires that God places in our heart for someone who, if you go and present yourself to the Lord daily, like every morning at sunrise, I'm at the beach. I'm, I'm presenting myself to the Lord. I spend a good 20 or 30 minutes just enjoying the liturgy of the hour and reading the readings from Mass and reading a little bit of Tom, Thomas Akempis and praying a little bit. And when I do my beach walks, I'm doing my intercessory prayer with my rosary. And at sunset at night, you know, I do that two minute, 20 second breath, you know, holding my breath and then moving into my prayer life and hopefully to become more involved in my contemplative side of my prayer in the evening. You know, if you're not, if you're not spending time with the Lord, you're missing out. And when you do that, when you present yourself to the Lord like that, and when you, when you present yourself to love itself, when you just sit in the present of presence of love, you become love. And when you abide in the teaching of the Catholic Church, the magisterium of the church, when you read the word of God and the writings of the church doctors, when you read the, 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 the writings of the early church fathers, in other words, when you, love, when you know love and you know truth, when you know the person who said, I am the way, the truth, the life, when you know God, uh, you become like God because only the pure of heart can actually see him as he really is. Well, I had just sold my life out to Jesus when I was 19. I was a junior. I, I think I was 19. It was like a 
end of my junior year in college, uh, and I was just, I, I had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I was just so on fire for the Lord, and I was involved in the Catholic Charismatic Renewal. This is way back in the day. But I be, gradually began to drift into the heresies of sola scriptura, sola fide. You know, is you know only the Bible, and it's by faith alone, not by works that I am saved, and other errors like that. And I drifted away, not out of a desire to go to go away from God, but to get closer to God. And I kind of went into the non-denominational world, and it was great. I learned a lot. I grew to love the people there, and and you know the solid Christians and all the ex-Catholics that are that are involved in that. But at some point. I just began to really hunger for the Eucharist. And so I returned to the church, but I returned to the, only the back pew. In fact, usually I stood in the back. But I'd go and I'd humble myself and I'd receive the Eucharist. I just didn't understand. I had not been exposed to this great teachings of the faith. I just can't believe I missed out when I was younger. I guess we didn't have the great teaching available that we have now. But then my father, who's a deacon in the Catholic Church, gave me a book called Crossing the Tiber by our guest today, Stephen Ray. And after about 20 or 30 pages of that and looking and going, oh my gosh, most of this book is footnotes and it's from the early church fathers. So I ordered my 12 volume set on the, all the writings of the early church fathers. And the first thing I opened was Justin Martyr. And he began to talk about the Epiclesis. And I go, wait a minute, this was written almost 1900 years ago. And it's the same thing I hear at Mass every day. And I just fell in love with the fullness of the Catholic faith. I bought a Catholic catechism, read it cover to cover, then read it cover to cover again, and just fell in love with the richness of the faith and the reason and the truth and the love of our Catholic faith. And so I'm so happy, finally, to get Stephen Ray on my show. So hang on, you guys. We're going to have a great ride with our co-adventure guide, Stephen Ray. This is Bear Wozniak with Deep Adventure Radio. We'll be right back. Deep Adventure Radio, where the surf is always up. Deep Adventure Radio has challenged you to accept the wild adventure of God's will. Now, go even deeper with Bear's best-selling book, Deep in the Wave, A Surfing Guide to the Soul. In story after story, Bear takes us along as he paddles deep, surfing alongside whales and dolphins and avoiding killer sharks. Bear shares his experiences of the ocean in an intimate and exciting way. We share in his pain, healing through God, and the joy of finding that deep, intimate relationship with Him. As the story unfolds, you'll see how surfing has become the metaphor for the journey toward intimacy with God. Deep in the Wave, a surfing guide to the soul, will stir your own desire to go deeper into your faith. Order it today at deepadventure.com for your own faith journey or for someone who needs to go deeper. Deep in the Wave, a surfing guide to the soul by Bear Wozniak. Available at DeepAdventure.com. I'm Al Cresta, and I'm listening to Deep Adventure Radio with Bear Wozniak. Aloha, welcome back to EWTN's Deep Adventure Radio. I'm your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. And we have, uh, probably most of you realize by now, we have probably the greatest show that ever was on radio. And the reason is because we have the greatest guests and today we have a guest who I've just been wanting to get to meet for so long. Um, my father, uh, Greg Wozniak, is a deacon in the Catholic Church. And I had kind of drifted away from the Catholic Church. I, I, I come, come into the renewal, the Catholic Charismatic Renewal, back in the 70s and just was so on fire for the Lord. But I, I, I wanted more, and I just wasn't finding it within the Catholic Church because really I had been under-catechized. And so I dr drifted into non-denominational land, and while I was there, I was kind of like, is that all there is? I, I want more. I want something deeper, some more substance. And, uh, and where am I going to go find it? And then I just kind of became a little bit, uh, had a malaise set in. And my father has been praying for me, and he sent me Stephen Ray's book, Crossing the Tiber, which, as you know, the Tiber River is right there by the Vatican in, in Rome. And uh, it just transformed my life. I had come back to the Catholic Church, but I was sitting in the back. I was going even to, to, to daily Mass sometimes to receive the Eucharist. But I, didn't, I know it sounds ridiculous, but I didn't know how to go deeper. And once I found Stephen Ray's book, it was like um, finding a vein of, of pure gold and, and just... And, and I, and my pursuit for truth and, and the depth of teaching that's available in the Catholic Church has been relentless ever since. So, Stephen, you're not just one of those everyday guests. I mean, you are the guest. I'm so thankful to have you with us. Thank you for joining us. Well, you're welcome, Bear. I'm glad to be here. I, you know, I got to know your son, Jesse. I love your son, Jesse. I do, too. And so he gave us a... <laughs> 
he gave us a little bit of background, you know, about your walk of faith and and your journey when you were in Europe and 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 that sort of thing. Uh, could you share with us just to let the audience know what you went through, what your kind of um, what your conversion story is, your uh, as you were pursuing uh, going deeper with God? Well, I'm glad to. I'm always happy to share what the Lord did in our life. I'm in uh, Dallas, Texas, right now, doing a parish mission. And um, I just gave my story here, and it takes me an hour and 15 minutes to tell my story of how I came into the Catholic Church uh, when I do it in its full sense, and I have stuff on my website, too. But I was born and raised as a very anti-Catholic Baptist, and what that means is that my mom and dad went to a Billy Graham crusade. They, they actually heard him on the radio. They later went to the crusade, too, but, and they found Jesus. That's the way they put it, and it was 1953. And I wasn't born yet. And they found Jesus, and they just had a radical conversion to the Baptist tradition. And I'm certainly glad they did, because they raised me to love Jesus and to love the Bible and all of these things. And had they not become Christians, I don't know if I'd even be here today. And what happened was is that over the period of time, I was raised to love the Bible, to love Jesus. But I also learned along the way that Catholics had it all wrong. They were standing on their heads. We Baptists had the Bible. The Catholics followed tradition. We prayed to God. They prayed to dead saints. We got to heaven by faith. Catholics got to heaven by their good works. And we, re- we were told all of these things, which were untrue, by the way. They were like a caricature of true Christianity and true Catholicism. But this is the way I was raised. And I even used to teach classes for Protestants on how to convert Catholics out of the Catholic Church and get them really saved. So this is my beginning. And, um, you know, and I'm not angry with the way I was raised. I'm very grateful that my parents became Baptists, and I'm grateful that they taught me to love Jesus and to love the Bible and to want to get to heaven instead of hell and all of these things. But when I was 39 years old, after a series of events, I was brought into the fullness of the Christian faith, and people said, oh, you converted to the Catholic Church. Yes, I did. But in a way, I feel like I am a fulfilled Christian now. When I was a Baptist, I only had part of the truth and a lot of untruth. But when I came into the Catholic Church, it was like stepping in a door. And uh, being a Protestant was like being on the front porch. Being a Catholic was like opening the front door and coming in and meeting the whole family and being where the fullness of the faith was. The meal is inside the house. The showers, the confession, are inside the house. Everything, the fullness of the faith is inside the house. So in uh, 1994, my wife and I and our whole family came into the front door, and we joined the Catholic Church. That's the short version. Well, you know, I, I, I know a little bit about your history. I mean, you're, the thing about it is, is to, to become a Catholic, it's really, you know, to, to, to be a Catholic convert takes some real thinking. Uh, and and yes. I see the people that do this, and, they're, and, and I, my returning, it was a very deliberate, thoughtful thinking process. I mean, you were over there with the Schaefers, weren't you, in Europe for a while? That was a very um, in, big impact in my life of Dr. Francis Schaefer, because he is probably, one, along with C.S. Lewis, one of the evangelical Protestant darlings, and, and rightfully so, because he was a brilliant man, and he brought uh, Christianity for me. Uh, my parents used to just tell me, just believe, don't ask questions. Don't, don't try to figure it out. Just believe. Just believe about what the Bible says and what we tell you. Francis Schaeffer gave me the ability to say Christianity is true, that you, you could push it all the way to the end and it's still going to be true. The Bible is historic and inerrant and, and infallible, and the Bible is true and can be trusted. That gave me the confidence, even as an evangelical Protestant, to um, stand against the world and to stand against evil and all the other isms, you know, Buddhism, atheism, all the others, and to be proud that I was a Christian. And so that that journey that we went on also taught me to trust God, because we went there with almost no money, and for a year we lived in Switzerland, and the Lord provided for us in miraculous ways. I mean, I could go on for stuff. I should write a book just about that phase of our life. But when we came back from Labrie, one of the things I realized was that Francis Schaeffer had taught us that truth is important. It's not just to have faith in something without knowing why. Truth is important, and Christianity has the truth. That put us on a search and a quest to know the deepness of that truth, and that's what eventually brought us to the Catholic Church. Well, you know, um, I, I love I love the the saying. I think it's the Pope. I'm not sure if he took it from Aquinas or not, but John Paul II mentioned uh, that you know it is the two wings of the eagle, faith and and reason, that they allow us to soar towards truth. And Thomas Aquinas said, you know, I'll take the 
I will take the water of reason and turn it into the wine of faith. But I understand that sense. When you have a personal encounter with Jesus Christ, um, it's like, yeah, whatever you say. I mean, let's do this, you know, and you kind of like are just ready to free fall and take that leap. And, and, and so faith is such a big part of our lives. But, but um, you know, I was just thinking about how wonderful it has been my experience. Uh, I, sometimes you'd like to sit down and talk with people like I'm talking with you and really get to know them. And how, yeah. you know, people might stop and ask you questions that most people wouldn't. You know, you just kind of have those soundbite conversations. Well, I really want to get to know God as he really is. And when yeah. you pursue, uh, when you kind of swim over into the deep end of the pool, um, you know, you can, I, I, the deep end of the pool, I'm a surfer. The, the abyss of God, of, of truth in the Catholic Church is so deep, deeper than the ocean. And, you know, I find Aquinas and I'm just, just, driving through summa, the summa a couple of times and then augustine and how can you ever read everything he wrote and 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 on and on and on there's just such a depth and quality of teaching within the catholic church and then to but to read the early church fathers that's what like gave me traction and and how how, how did you come to to that to that place and what was it that started to to redirect you towards the catholic church well, it was also the fathers of the church, especially the apostolic fathers, the ones from the first century. Those were the guys I say twisted my arm behind my back and dragged me into the Catholic Church kicking and screaming. These guys, the first century Christians, are the black hole of history for most Catholics and Protestants as well. This is the, the century which most of us don't know about, the first and second century of the Christian era, because most of us don't realize what the, who these people were. They're the lynch figures. They're the hinge figures between Jesus and the apostles and the Church as we know it, as we study it and know it in the Catholic Church mostly. But that first century was crucial for me because I always thought that, I, that the early Church was Protestant. And what happened to me was that a friend of mine, his name is Al Krusty. You may have heard of him. He's you know, Catholic radio. I, I, let me tell you, let me tell you and, something. Uh, on EWTN as well. And him yeah. and I had been best friends. We had been Schaeferites, we, we call ourselves. We'd read all of Francis Schaeffer's books. We were Bible alone, faith alone guys. He was a pastor of a, of a charismatic church. And we were best friends for 12 years before he came to me one day and said, I'm going to convert to the Catholic Church. And I looked at him, and I... My mouth just dropped open, and I said, Al, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You are way too smart to be a Catholic. Good grief, Al, how could you do that? And so then he, he said, well, Steve, we've made up our mind. And my wife and I said, well, we're going to prove him wrong. And so I said, you know, I'm gonna, him and I know the Bible equally well. I've got 20,000 books in my house. He's got 40,000 books in his house. And we studied the Bible together. He knows the Bible well. I can't use the Bible to try and convince him he's wrong. I know what I'll do. I'll go to the very first Christians and prove to Al that they were Protestants. And they only got corrupted with Catholic stuff in the Middle Ages, when they all got corrupted with these Catholic ideas like purgatory and the Pope and veneration of Mary and priesthood and all of this. And the Eucharist. So I went yeah. back, and I started reading those guys. I got their books, and I started reading Ignatius of Antioch, Clement of Rome. I read Justin Martyr, Polycarp of, and of, of Smyrna, and uh, Irenaeus of Lyon, and the Didache. And what happened was it totally rattled my cage. I had never paid any attention to these early writers. It's interesting that Protestants will pay so much attention to what their pastor says today. They pay so much attention to what Billy Graham says today, but they have no regard and no interest in what the very first pastors and Bible teachers taught. And these guys didn't even have the New Testament yet. All they had was the teaching of the apostles still ringing in their ears. And I went back and read their writings, and I realized these guys were not Protestants. They didn't hold any of my favorite Protestant doctrines. I can't find any of my favorite stuff in their writings. What I find in their writings is that they're Catholics, and they eventually brought me into the Catholic Church. Yeah, it's stunning. By the way, your good friend Al Cresta, right? Yeah, I mean, I read your book, you know, and it, it just, like I said, what I love about your book is it seems like the half of it is footnotes, you know, you're speaking and then down below, here's the actual writings of the early church fathers. I ran out there, I got on Amazon, I searched, I got that 12 volume set of the early church fathers, I started reading through it, and I think what really, I think I just really like Justin Martyr's name, <laughs> so I started yeah, reading I his, and there he I see he got his last name by getting his head cut off. Yeah, so, you know, exactly. Just, For and but you know, can, note on why the book has the footnotes, and I know we got to take a break here. Is that my father? I wrote that 
book is a, a love letter to my father. That's it right. It was not going to be a book. And I put those footnotes in so he would understand what these things were that I was talking about. Well, you know, when I when I read Justin Martyr, and, uh, you know, he, he uh, repeated, I guess, I don't know if it's called the epiclesis, what exactly he was saying, but, but the, the consecration of the host, the words that he used are almost identical to what I hear used in Mass. And to think that he yep. was writing this to the emperor, you know, he, and I love Justin Martyr. He was wearing the philosopher's robes. He was the first, you know, of the, of the, of the philosophers to, um, to begin to write like that. And here he is, he's, he's representing that the mass is not uh, cannibalism, uh, as the rumor had it. And he's writing to the emperor, and he's kind of letting, he's kind of, kind of letting see a little bit of the mystery that it was happening uh, in the celebrations and, and sharing with him what the Eucharist was. And, uh, and knowing very well he would probably be martyred, and a, as he was. But when you read yeah. the DDK, when you read the writings of the early church fathers in the first 300 years, I, I like the way um, Marcellino D'Ambrosio says, it's like if you want to see a lion, you don't want to go see it in a zoo. Go see it in its natural habitat. And you can see the young lion roaring uh, in those first centuries. And, you know, they're still developing the doctrine like the, the word you know, Trinity and things like that hadn't come to the fore yet, but they were working through these issues. And, the, and as, as the um, heresies arose, they had to really drill down and really think, well, what does this really mean? What, is, what did the Lord really mean when he said this and this and this? For example, uh, when they began to deal with, you know, is, was Jesus Christ all God and all man? They, then they had to start wondering, well, then who is Mary, Theotokos? And so the mother of God, um, Theology came forth right in the early uh, centuries. So, reading the early church fathers, everybody, you got to read. A- everyone should read your book, whether or not they they read the early church fathers or not. But Crossing the Tiber, a life changing book for me. And I was being interviewed by Al Cresta. You know, uh, Stephen. I like I said, I was sitting on the back of the bus, kind of back in the back pew, and, and, and just kind of cruise. And I was just so just disenchanted dis- with everything. And when I read your book, you know, it changed my life. And then I started, then the Lord started calling me into this sort of ministry, the radio. And, and I wrote a book and things started happening. So I go to the radio conference in Birmingham about 18 months ago. Al, I meet Al Cresta. Mike Jones introduces me to Al Cresta. And Al Cresta grabs me and starts interviewing me. And I don't remember his name from your book, right? So yeah. I go, well, I don't know if you read this book, Crossing the Tiber. <laughs> Because he was asking me about my, you know, being a reaver. And I go, I don't know if you've read this yeah, book by Stephen Ray. He goes, well, yeah, I'm the El Cresta in that book, you know. So, yeah, you know, what I love about that is that uh, the C.S. Lewis, the Schaefer's, the G.K. Chesterton's, uh, the pursuit of truth. We still have, we still have a couple of more minutes. Uh, share with us what it was that, that, uh, w- that process of, of going through conversion. It, it was a radical thing for you because it meant like giving up a lot of your, the, the uh, trajectory of your life and friendships even in some cases. Yeah, we lost all of our friends within two years. That was just a given, uh, because our whole world was evangelical Protestant. We lived in a bubble. All of our friends, our business associates, almost everything, and our families as well, were all evangelical Protestant. That's the way I lived my life. I, I surrounded myself with people like me and encouraging them. What happened was when we became Catholic, of course, both of our families had wanted nothing to do with us. They were furious. My wife is the first Catholic in our family in 400 years. It was a family tradition they were proud of, that there was no Catholics on either side of her family for 400 years. They came from the Protestant Reformation in Europe, and uh, now she broke the tradition, and they were furious. My parents, they had been come into the church, like I said, through Billy Graham crusade, and they were very fundamentalist Baptist, and I was, I was, it was a disaster that I became Catholic. And all of our friends, we lost them in two weeks. And I didn't come into the Catholic Church because of the originally, because um, it, my journey, I should say, didn't start because I saw anything beautiful about the Catholic Church, because I didn't. Everything I knew about the Church was a caricature of what the real Church was. It was told to me I was lied to. Nobody intended to lie to me, but it was lies and misinformation. What happened to me, in just a nutshell, is that I realized the problems within Protestantism. They were in protest against the Catholic Church, where they get the name protest, protestants, Protestants. And I realized that the things that were going on in Protestant were, were untenable. They couldn't work. Number one was worship. Worship was being invented every week newly in the church. So we use guitars. How hey, should we do this? Hey, Stephen, we got to take a Stephen. We got to take a break. We got okay. a we got a hard break. Uh, we love our our non uh, our non Catholic brothers and sisters, and they've been so instrumental yes. in our lives. We're going to talk story more about that with Stephen Ray. Uh, we'll be right back. This is Deep Adventure Radio. Deep Adventure Radio, going deeper into the heart of God. 
Deep Virtue with Bear Wozniak. Aloha, this is Bear Wozniak coming to you from Waikiki Beach with another Deep Virtue segment. You know, I, I'm an athlete and I've competed in surfing and we do ex, uh, tandem surfing expression sessions around the world and uh, so we have to stay in shape and, uh, you know, it takes a little bit of conditioning to, to paddle out and lift a woman over your head while you're surfing, I guess. So I have a, a rigorous discipline that I, I utilize to stay in shape. Every day I go through uh, basically the same workout and it keeps me physically conditioned and ready for uh, all the different conditions that the ocean can throw at you. Well, we need to apply that same discipline to our, our prayer life, to our spiritual life. One of the great things that the churches has given us is this beautiful book called The Liturgy of the Hour. All deacons and nuns and religious are uh, vowed to pray the Liturgy of the Hour through the day. My father is a deacon. I was fortunate enough that he would he gave me the Liturgy of the Hour and showed me how to use it. And I was like, where did this come from? This is, was such a well-kept secret. Well, now you can get the Divine Office app or you can go to Laudate and get it. But I highly recommend that you incorporate the Liturgy of the Hour into your daily life. The Bible says that we should pray without ceasing. The Liturgy of the Hour has you start out with a short morning prayer, and then a mid-morning prayer, then a midday prayer, afternoon prayer, evening prayer, nighttime prayer. And then there's this one thing I never miss. If I if I have a busy day and I can't do it, I always do the Office of Readings. It's beautiful. It has a, has a, a scripture verse, and then it has the um, a sermon by one of the great saints, maybe Gregory of Nicaea or Augustine or Thomas Aquinas, but you get such depth of insight and teaching. It's not pop theology. It's the ancient, ancient way. So I encourage you to uh, develop a discipline of the Liturgy of the Hour. This is Bear Wozniak with another deep virtue. You can find us at deepadventure.com. Aloha. Deep Virtue with Bear Wozniak. Find out more at deepadventure.com. Back to Deep Adventure Radio with Bear Wozniak, suffering in paradise for you. Aloha and welcome back to Deep Adventure Radio. I'm your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. Uh, we have with us our own adventurer, Stephen Ray, uh, who wrote a book that was instrumental in me uh, really gaining traction and finding a uh, more of the depth of teaching and the fullness of faith within the Catholic Church. I had left the church for a while, came back, but still, and really only because I, I knew what I experienced when I received the Eucharist. But I was just kind of adrift, and then finding Stephen Ray's book just uh, helped me kind of, it was like, um, I feel like I had a, a pick or something. I could go into that, that mine and just start mining for, for pure gold. And uh, Stephen uh, takes tours out to uh, the Holy, Holy Lands. I really want to go with you. So, uh, and you know he looks he looks like an adventure guide when you when you see when you see him on the on the tour and the way he dresses and stuff like that. So so hopefully we'll get to uh, go with him on one of those pilgrimages. Uh, we want to welcome back to the show as our, my co adventure guide Stephen Ray. Aloha, Stephen. Aloha, welcome. Glad to be here again. Let's talk story. You know I I got to tell you I was going to Baylor University when I became a, when I was. Uh, Filled with the Holy Spirit and the Catholic charismatic renewal, and I love. I watched these Baptists, and they really knew God. I mean, most of them seemed to really have an, a personal relationship with God. And I was like, "How do you get there? How does that happen?" Uh, you know. And they were all praying for me. And then when they came back one summer, I was like, uh, I had gone to the opposite extreme. I was like the main evangelist on the campus. I was so turned on for the Lord. Um, and so, I mean, I really love my my non denominational brothers and sisters, and and. Uh, uh, you know, my Southern Baptist uh, friends, but what happens is there's a real angst against the Catholic Church, and the Catholic Church doesn't look that way back, or uh, at least in our official teachings, we don't look that way at the other uh, denominations. We see this as all one body of Christ uh, and one Catholic Church, that they're just uh, separated from us. But, um, you know, there's, we have a, a tremendous, you know, when someone wants to convert to be a Catholic, when you became a Catholic, they didn't have you get baptized again. They recognized your Trinitarian baptism, right? Yes, so of course. Yeah. It's a beautiful statement about the way the Catholic Church embraces the other true uh, uh, Christian faiths. But tell us what, exactly. So tell us. So, so there's not there's an angst on that side. There was like a real prejudice, and I, you know, um, that I've experienced over my life, and I know it's been both ways. But so we need to understand how to how to uh, love and, and appreciate others. But at the same time, you wanted the fullness of faith, and so talk story more. You were you were just getting rolling before we had the break. Yes. Yeah, so well, I, I would say in regard to that that. When I was growing up and raised, we didn't even believe Catholics were Christians. We we just thought that they were a, a cult. 
they weren't Christians. And so the angst you talk about is very real. Now, not all evangelical Protestants feel that way. Things have changed over time. And, uh, you know, at the first part of the century, of the, of the last century, the whole fundamentalist movement started, and, and uh, most, of the, the, most of the people we call evangelicals today, that's a new term, a new phrase. They were fundamentalists, and they were very much against the Catholic Church. Um, fortunately, there's a lot of those in Protestantism today, many that we call evangelicals, that are not so anti-Catholic and are willing to dialogue and discuss and even willing to pick it with us in front of an abortion clinic. And I would say also that with, as the world becomes more and more anti-Christian, as our, as our culture is becoming more and more paganized, I would say, then we as Catholics and Protestants need to work together as brothers and sisters because we're becoming the minority. We're, we're very, uh, like if you go to Israel where I am or, or to Egypt, Christians are the minority, and they don't care whether you're Baptist or Catholic or Eastern Orthodox or Methodist or what you are. We're, we're, the, we're only one and a half percent of the population. We have to stick together. If you say the name Jesus and I do, we're buddies. We're sticking together. But, you know, in our country there's a, there is still a lot of angst, I like the word you use there, about Catholicism and I was raised in my whole family that the, that the Catholic Church weren't even Christians. They were actually a negative force against true Christianity because they were leading people down the false path. The gospel was a false gospel of works instead of by faith. So, so on, on that line, I, when I was starting to look into this whole thing in my attempt to convert my friend Al Cresta, I, wanted, I, I realized that there was uh, problems within Protestantism not, you know, loving the people, that, yeah, that's a different matter. But, but the whole theology and the ecclesiology and doctrines of Protestantism, there was a problem. First of all, what is worship? This was my wife started at one time. She said, I cannot go and listen to a Baptist preacher preach anymore and call it worship. Something is missing. It may have been good preaching and maybe good Bible teaching, but it wasn't worship. And I, we have to find out what real worship was. And we discovered that real worship always involves a sacrifice or an offering which we didn't have when Martin Luther and, and the other reformers, who I now call uh, kind of uh, devolvers, they, they were not reformers, they were actually rebels. They, they, they threw away the altars in the churches. They threw away the sacrifice, and they had what they had left was a podium, a lectern to preach from, and it was a different religion. And I realized that the real worship has to do with sacrifice, and guess what the Catholic Church has? The holy sacrifice of the Mass. And this was taught from the very first century. Yeah, that's what it was called. That's what it was Didache, called. Which you mentioned a moment ago. It says before you bring your sacrifice, before the sacrifice, make sure you confess your sins. Well, what church has confession open at 3 o'clock every Saturday afternoon? You well, go and confess your sins. So when you come to the sacrifice, it's a pure one. So this was the first issue. Second one was authority, and the third issue was morality. Well, when you when you look at the Didache, I mean, that's an incredible gift. I think it was rediscovered about, about 150 years ago yeah. in a monastery. I mean, that was that's the oldest of the church documents. It was written during the time the apostles were alive. It was their catechism. It was what, it, what you were taught to become a Christian, and it talked about how we worship and how we live. And when you read that, it's like, yeah, that's what I do every Sunday, you know. And and they yep. called it a sacrifice of the mass. That's a significant. That's an important statement. Uh, before you go into the next, what do you what do you mean when you what what are we saying when we say that? Because that's a, a source of um, a, it can be a source of confusion, but we can maybe clarify and bring a real vital truth out. Sacrifice of the mass as we have. There's an actual sacrifice on the altar. The all the, the technical definition of the word altar in the Bible is a place of sacrifice. Animals died on an altar. Blood was spilled and guts were all over the altar. The temple in Jerusalem was a slaughterhouse. People don't realize that. The altar is a place where a sacrifice is made. We have an altar in ours. It's a non-bloody sacrifice. I gave a talk on this last night in Dallas, Texas here for a huge group. What happens is when Jesus died on the cross, in God's eyes, that's an eternal event. It's ever before his eyes. Revelation 5, verse 5 and through 6 says that when God opens his eyes in the morning, I'm adding that part is a little humor here, but when right in front of the throne of God is the sacrifice of Christ, a lamb slain yet still standing and alive. That's the Passover lamb, Jesus Christ. God sees that with his eyes all the time. It's an eternal event before him. And when we have the sacrifice of the Mass, what happens is that eternal event comes slamming down into space and time onto the altar. It's not another sacrifice of Christ. We are not crucifying him again. But what happens is that eternal sacrifice that's in before God's eyes ever in heaven comes down on the altar into space and time, and that eternal event becomes real for 
us, represented to us again today. That's what the sacrifice of the Mass is. So it is a sacrifice, but it's the one sacrifice of Christ that took place 2,000 years ago. But for God, it's ever everlasting. It's an eternal event, and he makes it present for us every day on the altar, because as the fathers of the Church said, Ignatius of Antioch, it is the food of immortality, the medicine of immortality, and the food by which we live forever. The Eucharist, Jesus gave it to us, his own body and blood, and those. As, and when I was a Protestant, I rejected all of that. I can't believe I rejected it. But now that I've come home to the Catholic Church, I love this Eucharist. I love the sacrifice of the Mass. You know, when you look at when you look at the way the the early Church uh, worshipped. You know, first of all, you see Jesus on the road to Emmaus, and he does a Mass right there. He begins by the liturgy of the word. He goes through all the Old Testament, says this is, and reveals this is what this is revealing to to them about Jesus. And then he offers up the Eucharist. He offers up Mass, and he disappears. He's still there. It's just that his body and blood are now in the the in the form of the consecrated uh, food that yep. he was blessing. And then you see Saint Paul writing, and he's saying, you know, um, when they gathered, they, well, I think it was they actually gathered together daily for the break, the reading of the word. And the breaking of the bread. I mean, that's the Mass. We start out with a liturgy of the Word. And, you know, the Catholics, we have more Scripture in, in, in a one-hour Mass than I think most places do in a year. Because we read, we read the Old Testament. We read a, a psalm. We read a, an, an epistle. We read a, a gospel. And the whole Mass is based on Scripture. And we go through almost the entire Bible in a three-year course if you go to daily Mass. And so we have that, that, that same pattern of the, of the breaking of the bread, the, the reading of the Word. There's two types of bread, the bread of the Word um, being read and the bread of the Eucharist. And then in the DDK, you see the same thing. And that, that pattern is unbroken. Um, you know, as it says, from age to age, a perfect sacrifice will be made from east to west, you know, so that the Eucharist yep. is, is, a, is a perpetual thing. Uh, Stephen, we're going to take a break here in about a minute, but I want our guests to find your website and, 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 and get your books and, and connect with you and go on your pilgrimages. Uh, give us about a minute on that, how they can find you. Okay. My website is catholicconvert.com. There's a lot on there. There's a lot of different. It's like the, the uh, center of a wheel, and the spokes go out to different areas. But it's catholicconvert.com. I have a section called Resources, which have hundreds of writings on the Bible and apologetics and defending the faith, explaining the Eucharist, all of these wonderful things about Mary. I have a page about pilgrimages because we take pilgrimages that I lead, and I'm the teacher on the pilgrimages. We go to the Holy Land. We go to Egypt and Jordan, to Lourdes and Fatima, to Rome, Ireland, Poland, St. Paul's, all the cities of St. Paul. We take a cruise every year. And so um, that is called footprintsofgod.com if people want to go there. But you can get there on my main site. But we also have all of my books and my talks. I have over 30 or 40 talks that I give on the Eucharist, on Peter and the primacy of Rome, on Mary, all of these things. Um, Okay, we need to take a a break. Okay, catholic.com. Okay, we're going to be right back with more of Stephen Ray. This is Bear Wozniak. Deep Adventure Radio, going deeper into the heart of God. Check out EWTN's official YouTube channel. Just follow the link on our homepage at EWTN.com or go to YouTube.com slash EWTN. Watch EWTN's live shows or today's homily from the Daily Mass. Click the upload button to see our most recent clips. You can also find all of EWTN YouTube content by clicking the playlist button. It's all on the official EWTN YouTube channel at YouTube.com slash EWTN. Visit today. up your boards. Let's paddle in for another wave of Deep Adventure Radio. Aloha. The surf is up. It's epic, as we like to say, when the surf gets over 20 feet. And we have got, uh, we've got a big swell running today because we have Stephen Ray in the house. We're paddling out into heavy surf. He is, the, he is uh, an instrumental in my life. His book, Crossing the Tiber, uh, just just it was ah, oh, I was what I was looking for. I mean, I, I just it just was like solid, solid meat. It gave me traction, allowed me to go deeper into the truths of God. And so finally, here on my it's I think it's my 80th show on EWTN. I finally get to talk to Stephen Ray. Stephen, welcome. Thank you. Good to be back. Okay, so give us a little bit more information. You were talking about some of the other distinctions that you were discovering when you read the early church fathers. 
Yep, I'll, I'll do that. One, one thing I'd just make a comment about, you mentioned my book, Crossing the Tiber. Um, I'm glad that it had a huge impact in your life, and I have to say that it's, I get letters every day from people that it's brought them into the faith, helped them understand it better. But it was never going to be a book there. Originally, my father was so angry at me for even reading Catholic books and thinking about becoming Catholic that he just, I thought he was going to pop a blood vessel, you know, his face turned red, he even yelled at me. And that book started with the words, Dear Dad, you're the best father in the world, therefore I owe you an explanation. And I sat down to write my dad a letter to explain why I was becoming Catholic, and it ended up being that book. So that was never going to be a book. That was a love letter to my father and mother. But now back to what you were asking. Um, when I reading the Fathers of the Church and this, I, I realized that not only was there a problem uh, with worship, what is worship in the Church? There's no sacrifice. But the second issue for me was one of authority. I loved the Bible. I was one of those guys that called themselves Sola Scriptura, the Bible alone guys. But I realized that couldn't work. That was a wrong uh, avenue to take because Everybody in the world picks up their Bible and they interpret it differently. Martin Luther said, now that the Bible is in the language of the people, every plowboy and servant girl can read it for their own and interpret it for themselves. What the problem is, is everybody interprets it differently, and we end up now with over 40,000 different denominations, all competing with each other, all claiming to have the Holy Spirit interpreting the Bible for them, and they have the correct understanding of the Bible and how, what the Church is and what morality is. And yet the problem is, is that nobody has, there's no judge, there's no arbiter who has the correct interpretation of the Bible. What does God really mean by this and that passage in the Bible? And therefore you need a magisterium. You need a tradition. Without the tradition and the magisterium, the Bible falls itself because authority needs a three-legged stool. We have the written Word of God, the sacred tradition, and the magisterium of the Church. Without a three-legged stool, the stool falls. Martin Luther ripped off the leg of the Pope, and then he ripped off the leg of the, tr of the stool of tradition, so we don't need these, and he threw them away, and Martin Luther was left with a one-legged stool, tradition, I mean Bible alone, and the stool fell. That was my next problem. I loved the Bible, but I realized that even among evangelical Protestants, we couldn't agree on what it meant. The third issue was morality. What does God expect us to do with our lives and our bodies? What does he expect us to do with our thoughts and our money? Nobody knew for sure. Every church down Main Street has a different idea of what morality is. If you want to be a man to marry another man, there's a church somewhere in your town that will accept you and say, that's okay, God allows this, God, is, God wants you to love each other. If you want to abort or contracept, there's churches that will say, come on, look, come on in, we won't make you feel guilty. And we realize that people in America today pick their churches the same way they pick their restaurants. If I drive down Main Street and I see McDonald's and Burger King and Pizza Hut, I pick the restaurant that I feel like eating at today. And on Sunday morning, I drive down and I see Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, Charismatic, and all these others, and I pick a church that I feel comfortable in, that, that matches what I think that I should be able to do. And that's not the way God is. God is not a democracy. God has established a kingdom, and I have to be part of the kingdom, and I had to find out where that kingdom was being manifested today in the world. And I found the kingdom of God manifested visibly in the Catholic Church. Well, you know, it's kind of funny. I remember when I was a kid going to a barn where they were milking cows, and uh, <laughs> they used one-legged stools. Yeah. All right, but, well, the, but the Bible says we need to go on from the milk. Yeah, we need and, to go and, to the meat. And, and Bear, let me say this. If you sit in a one-legged stool, you have to provide the other two legs to make it stand. Oh, that's, that's so true. exactly what happened. Yeah, that's... The Protestants have given up the Pope, and they've given up the tradition, and they have to provide their own... I had to become my own Pope, and I had to provide my own tradition in order for that stool to stand. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, you, kind of, you have to become your own Pope. There is going to be an authority, but you make yourself the authority, as Augustine said. You yeah. know, if you don't accept, the, 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 if you take, pick and choose from the, from the Word of God, from the Gospel, what you're going to believe, then you don't believe in the, in the Gospel. You believe in yourself. And, yeah. uh, and Jesus was a little bit, you know, Jesus was a good builder. You know, he was a carpenter. He knows how to build things. And, and the only really thing we see him building is his church. You know, he said, I, you know, I've never heard that before. You know, that's good, man. That's, I like that. I'm, maybe he yeah. built other things, but he built the church. He built it good. He built it on a good foundation. Talk to us a little bit about when you speak about the magisterium, that's like a mysterious word to some people and uh, about apostolic succession. Maybe you can share that with us. We got okay, about, we got about, about two minutes to go. 
Okay, good. I talked about that last night, too. The magisterium is just a big fancy Latin word that means the office of teacher. So just think of your first or second grade teacher when you think of magisterium. That's what it is. It's just the office of teacher. God gave us a book, and he gave us a tradition, a family tradition, because the book is to be read in the heart of the family, and the families always have a father figure, and the father figure is the magisterium, the teacher, the one who teaches. I was. I have a a family. I'm the father. I'm the teacher. I'm the magisterium of the family, my wife and I. So that's what that word means. And the sacred tradition is what we, it's like the, the, the story of the family. All of it works together, and it's in the heart of the Catholic Church. That's why I love being Catholic, because I found like before I was in a rowboat out or a raft out on the stormy seas, and there was no North Star, and there was no shoreline. All of a sudden, I come in, and I find the shoreline and the port, and I'm a, now I'm home, and the seas are calm. And sure, there's problems in the Catholic Church, because we're all made of humans. I said to my wife, even if the Catholic Church is perfect, as soon as I join it, it's not going to be perfect anymore. But the beauty of it is, is it is the body of Christ. It's the visible manifestation of his kingdom and his family. It is the mystical body of Christ, and I'm certainly glad to be here. We have a short moment here, and I want to pray. You know, the Bible says that God is the reward, rewarder. It doesn't say, I'm the rewarder of those who are kind of open to a personal relationship with me. He says, I'm the rewarder of those who diligently seek me. Get right. Stephen Ray's book. Go to his website. What is it again? CatholicConvert.com. Yep. And, and, and he's got CDs. If You know, a lot of people like to listen to, uh, listen to things instead of read things. He's got all that available to you. And right now, let's take, we got 20 seconds. I'm just going to pray with Stephen, who I just love this man. You can tell that he's on fire for the Lord. Lord, we just, uh, for the people that are out there right now who have never really had that personal encounter with you, uh, you can just pray with us. Jesus, I, I want to know you. I want you to reveal yourself to me. Uh, show me the paths for my life. I know when you use the fullness of joy, help me enter into the fullness of a relationship with you, God. I, I pursue you with all my heart. I surrender all I am to you, Jesus, all my, all my will, all of my agendas. Everything that I that I that is mine, I give to you, Jesus, and I would love to have all that you have, Jesus. Pour your love, pour your pour your um your grace into my heart. Uh, tell us one more time your website. We gotta run, Stephen. Very good, CatholicConvert.com. And if you want to go on Great Pilgrimage in the Holy Land, come with me and I'll show you the way. Hey, I'm on my way. I want to go surfing in the Holy Land. I want to do some stand-up paddling on the Dead Sea. <laughs> would love to have you, Barry. I'm planning on it. You'd be a lot of fun to have along. I love your enthusiasm. I love your knowledge. We would have a great time leading a group through the Holy Land. Let's, hey, let's actually talk about this when we're done, because you, you and your son Jesse and I are teaming up on some stuff, too. Okay, we'll be right back. This, this was Stephen Ray, a critical man in my life, a writer of the book Crossing the Tiber, many other books. I'm your adventure guide, Bear Wozniak. We're going to be right back with more Deep Adventure Radio. This is Mark Chalino, and this is Anthony D'Ambrosio from TheCrossroadPursuit.com. And when we're not cliff-diving, we like to listen to Bear Wozniak's Deep Adventure Radio. Surf's Up, real and radical ways to live your faith. Hello, this is Jesse Ray with CatholicSpeakers.com, and I'm here with the DeepAdventure.com Surf's Up segment. I just want to talk to all the young fathers out there today because I had an experience with my first son when he was about one year old. He was sitting in his high chair, and he had an orange segment that we'd just given him. And I'm a perfectionist. I grew up in a family that had a janitorial company, and I like to have things clean. So when my son started pressing his finger into that orange piece and juice started squirting out of it, my first reaction was to stop him to get a napkin and to wipe it up and make sure that this kid stayed clean. But then I, I held back and I realized that I myself knew what would happen when a, my finger pressed against an orange, that juice squirted out of little tiny membrane pockets that were filled with you know, liquid. And I realized that the only reason I knew that was because I myself had pressed on an orange piece before and juice had squirted out. So I just stood back and I watched my son and I had a smile on my face and I realized that I just needed to give him a little bit of room to explore his world just like I had and not have everything always perfectly clean around him. So I just want to encourage all you fathers out there, when you see your kids making a mess or doing something that you, it starts to make you feel impatient, just uh, increase that time between stimulus and response. Take a moment, realize that maybe this is something that your child needs to learn. And it's just like that with God the Father. We are not robots. He gave us free will to make our own decisions and we have to learn by experience how to step out in faith. And I'm not saying that we should be learning by experience all the ways to sin in life. I'm saying that we need to learn when God is calling us to do something and trust in him and step out in faith. We might miss the target sometimes, 
but we get better with practice. This is Jesse Ray with Lighthouse Catholic Media. You can find me at catholicspeakers.com, and this is deepadventure.com Surf Up segment. Surf Up, go deep or go home. Now, back to Paradise and Deep Adventure Radio. Aloha, welcome back to Deep Adventure Radio. Oh, I just love Stephen Ray. I'm so thankful for him being on my show. One of these days, I just got to go with him to Israel. I know that he would be just a great adventure guide. We want to thank you for listening to our show. You can go to our website, deepadventure.com. Hey, all of you people, other women especially, go to our website, subscribe to our newsletter, and then we will send you. And you can even go to our friend, our fan page on Facebook called Deep Adventure Ministries, and we post social media type stuff there that you can forward by email to your friends or you can uh, share it on, on Facebook. But these are great. Great evangelistic tools. It's not words. It's not written words. It's 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 audio where you can uh, share a two-minute deep virtue segment, for example, with someone who would never ever read a book uh, that you would send them. Or you can even share our whole one-hour shows. In fact, our one-hour show, uh, Deep Adventure Radio Show, is available on every single podcast app. So uh, I have mine on my iTunes app, and when I and, and when I have a great guest like I had today, I like to listen to it again uh, while I'm doing my beach work or while when you're at the gym, when you're lifting weights, when you're cooking, whatever you're doing, driving in the car you can listen at all times to this show it's on Sirius uh, 130 also um, so thank you for being part of our ministry we're not in this alone we know that your prayers and your financial support help us so much you can go to our website click the donate button become a monthly donor a small even a $10 gift a month is such a big deal to us so we would really appreciate that until next week this is Bear Wozniak your adventure guide may the breath of the Holy Spirit aloha you aloha This is Deep Adventure Radio. Hear archived shows, buy Bear's book, Deep in the Wave, A Surfing Guide to the Soul, and sign up for our Wave of the Week email at deepadventure.com. For the latest news on Bear and Deep Adventure, visit us on Facebook and share Deep Adventure with your friends. The most radical thing you can do in life is abandon yourself to the wild adventure of God's will. Deep Adventure Radio.